Good morning. Um, <clears throat> right, so we'll be reading Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run, over, run after such things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. Sorry, he knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. probably won't surprise you that uh, I agonised about whether I should include that song. <laughs> agonised. I was very concerned, and uh, particularly after the feedback I received from the last service, uh, the one person who did comment on it said, no, definitely don't play it again. I asked my family's opinion last night. They were a little more ambiguous, but uh, my big concern is that that's probably the only laugh you're going to get out of this service. <laughs> See, worry is a a very natural thing, isn't it? It's funny, that song was written in the, in the 70s and the early 80s. Uh, how much of it is still there? We're still concerned about the baggage retrieval system at Heathrow, yes? No, the Middle East and the, all the different things, there was a lot of common ground there. Now, I think this is a very relevant topic, yes? Anyone here not worry at all? No concerns? No concerns? No, okay, that's all of us. We know that worry is a big part of our life, and um, we know it's not a great thing. None of us, I think, who do worry, and some of us are more prone to worry than others, but none of us who worry think, yeah, that's a, that's a, I spent all that time last night as I lay there awake. Uh, that was a really good time. That was a profitable time. None of us think that worry is good. We look for solutions, and sometimes we look to our technology for it. And uh, I read this really disturbing article during the week about the apps and the devices that we use to help us to sleep so we're not getting insomnia because of uh, worry. And we found this. Too many people become fixated on the hours of good sleep they get according to the tracker, which causes a lot of stress, and in some cases leads to insomnia. <laughs> so I'm so worried about getting good sleep that I actually don't sleep. Worry is really weird. We talked about as a staff team, and we're there going, we started getting worried that we worry. And how does that work? I don't know, do you ever get anxious that you're anxious? Worried if you're worried? But our society, it has this kind of no-stress mantra. Like, 
for those of us who grew up with the, the Lion King, what's, what's the mantra? Hakuna Matata means no worries. It means kicking back, and if you know the story, it's a complete denial of responsibility. The hyenas have taken over the Pride Lands. Everything is going from bad to worse. And there's Simba just strutting out with his friends. And we know that even Disney works out that Akuna Matata doesn't work. Simba goes back, he mans up or lions up or whatever he is, uh, and takes over the Pride Land and rules. So how do we as Christians deal with the whole issue of worry? Especially when Jesus, at the start of the reading that Paul read to us, what did he say? Therefore I tell you, do not worry. So we get concerned, don't we? Jesus tells me I'm not allowed to worry, but I worry, so I'm getting concerned about that. So how do we actually deal with it? So three points. Why we do, why we needn't, and exercising faith. Let's dive in. Why we do. need to remember, as Paul reminded us, um, this is a sermon that is preached to Christians, to disciples of Jesus. It's not to the large population. So if you're, if you're not a disciple of Jesus this morning, uh, this is still for you, but really the answer is fundamentally there for the Christians, for those who follow Jesus, who believe what we believe, what we've sung, what we've said. We'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that uh, if you would like to know more. But Jesus' answer and its power comes from the heart of our faith. So why now, in the Sermon on the Mount, does Jesus turn to the issue of worry? Jesus told us just a little bit earlier, chapter, 19, uh, chapter 6, verse 19, not to store up treasures on earth. He's told us just a few verses later, 6.24, that we can't serve both God and money. And if we serve God, he's told us that we must serve God absolutely. So it means that he rules over our life. So even our money. So a couple, couple of verses earlier, 5 verse 42, Jesus tells us that if someone comes to us and asks, they ask for money from us, well, we give it to them. And that's what Jesus is calling. What's the natural response? Well, if I'm going to not chase after material things, if I'm going to use those material things to serve him as I serve others, what's the natural question that you're left to ask? Well, well who looks after me? Who looks after me? If I'm told not to store up, not to seek these things. Who looks after me? And we find this difficult, don't we? We're happy to trust God as long as we have stuff in reserve. If I have 10 grand in the bank and Jesus asks me to give $100 away, it's not really a problem. But we get really twitchy if Jesus tells us to give $10,000 away, doesn't he? We find it hard. We find it hard to have that absolute trust that Jesus calls for us. And the stress that we feel as we worry about those things. The stress that we feel shows that maybe we find it easier to store up treasures on earth. It's more attractive to our hearts to do that. 
It may not be food and clothing. Most of us, that's not an issue. We didn't get out of bed this morning wondering if we got breakfast. It was just there. We're not going to go home, find that there's nothing for lunch or nothing for dinner. Uh, you had a choice of clothes generally, I think most of you, and you, know, you don't turn up to church week after week wearing exactly the same thing. So what you wear on your back is, is not so much the issue. So what does it mean for us that live in a society that has an abundance? Well, there are other treasures. Jesus here hones in on the basic necessities of life because that was a really big issue, a big issue for the people that he spoke to. So the workers would go out to the field, they would work the d- they would get paid, they would then go to the market, buy what they need for dinner and breakfast, and then they would go and work again, get paid, buy what they need for dinner, and they would live day by day in that very real sense. And so Jesus' words are powerful. But we don't feel their power so much because actually we've got stuff in reserve. But there are other things. We need to hear the food and drink stuff, yes. We need to hear the clothes stuff, yes. But there are other things that we seek. There are other treasures that we have, not just the material things. That sense of security, that sense of belonging, that sense of identity. Do we go to other things? Do we look for that in other places? What do you fear to lose? What do you fear to lose? When you're anxious... What do you get anxious about? Now, some of you, and I know this uh, because one of them's in my family, but some of you are in year 12, okay? Yes? Are you feeling totally calm at the moment? Totally relaxed? Yeah. There's exams coming. There are exams coming. They're significant exams, yes? I remember back in the 1830s when I did mine, uh, they were a concern. They were a source of concern. Do you worry about them because you believe that everything in your future depends upon that mark? Do you worry about that appraisal with your boss because everything in your future depends upon getting ahead in your job? Parents, do we worry about how our kids make us look, or whether they are making the right choices. Do we think that their happiness is our happiness, and so therefore we worry? Can I say, a level of worry isn't always a bad thing, and we will talk about that in a bit, but what I'm talking about is, are we consumed by this concern? Does it nag in the back of our, life, back of our minds? Because Jesus takes us beyond this basic need to the deeper issue of what is the core of our worry. He tells us that we worry for one particular reason. It's not biology, it's theology. Verse 30, he talks to the disciples, he talks to us, you of little If worry is an issue for our life, what is the root cause? What's Jesus saying? Can you see it? Little faith. In the original language, this is one word, noun. He calls them literally, you little faiths. 
you spiritual wimps. He's not saying that they don't have faith. He's just saying it's not enough. The faith they have is emaciated and weak. When it comes to the crunch, this guy is not going to stand in front of the AFL pack and save you. He's not going to be able to lift the heavy weights. Your faith, he's saying, is not able to do the heavy lifting to combat worry. That's the issue. And Jesus isn't saying it like he's scolding you. Jesus is pointing out that there is an answer and you just need to learn to go there. You need to train your hearts to go there. Jesus is saying, not that we don't have faith if we worry, but our faith is not enough. And the danger for us, I believe, is that we put our faith in Jesus, but we don't trust him. We have our trust in Jesus, but we don't trust him. We trust him through his death and resurrection to save us. We look to salvation through the cross because we see there is no other option. But when it comes to the day-to-day, we actually don't trust him. We actually think we can find better options, and so we worry when some of those better options are under threat. We trust Jesus. We trust in Jesus, but we don't trust him. It raises the whole question, though, and I flagged it a little bit earlier, of is there such a thing as a legitimate worry? Is Jesus actually telling us that we should just kick back, that we should just relax, take it easy? You know, hakuna matata. Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, no. Because if you read the Bible, you'll find there's lots of worry. Paul here, the apostle, speaks of his daily pressure, for his, of his concern for all the churches. Paul the Apostle is worried for the churches. There is a right worry that a disciple has to learn and to please their master, the Lord Jesus. There's a right concern. Jesus isn't saying, exam's coming, just kick back, enjoy yourself, trust me, I've got it covered. There's a right concern. There's a do your job well So when the appraisal comes, you've done what has been required of you. There is a concern, but what Jesus is speaking about is when the concern actually consumes us, when we are anxious, when we are tied in knots, when we are tossed and turned by our circumstances, when everything seems like it's going AWOL, That's what Jesus is speaking about. He's not calling us to just kick back. He's not calling us to be careless. But what he is calling us to do is to have faith. He's not calling us to be tossed and turned all over over our lives. He's calling us to trust him. So he gives us some reasons. He gives us some reasons that help us put our feet on the rock that is under, under them. I don't know if you've ever seen... Has anyone seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? You know, you guys think I watch too many movies. I know, I probably do. There's one scene when Robin Hood, uh, Robin of Loxley, because he's Kevin Cosner and he speaks with all the English accent that comes straight out of Texas or somewhere. Um, 
but he's there wrestling little John and who can't swim. And, and he's wrestling him in the water and he's there, I surrender, I surrender. And he says, okay, put down your feet. And this far under the water, because John's lying almost flat, is the bottom. And he puts it down, he's like, oh, well, okay. Jesus is doing that for us. Sometimes we feel that the waves are tossing and turning us. He is helping us see that there is a firm foundation under our feet. Okay? What's he point to? His first argument, verse 26. He tells us to look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He tells us a little bit further down, verse 28, to look uh, at the flowers of the field. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell, them, tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grasses of the field, here today, tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you little faiths? Jesus tells us to use our eyes to see how God works. What's his argument? There is a creation because there is a creator. And God's care extends to the insignificant things in his creation. He's speaking to disciples. They know their Bibles. They know that humanity is not just like the birds and the flowers of the field. Humanity alone in creation is in God's image. And he says, if he does this for the birds, if he does it for the grass, insignificant things, how much more will he do it for you? You man, you woman in the image of God of infinitely more value than a bird, than the grass. Jesus argues and he says, how much more? Will God look after you? He gives us a second argument. He just says in verse 27 that worry doesn't work. Can one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Think about all the hours you've spent worrying. Have they achieved anything? Have they achieved anything? We know that worry is futile and Jesus points it out for us. But it's not enough just to show us how stupid it is because we keep on going back to it. And so he gives us what is effectively his Trump argument. You know, if you play 500 or bridge or something, the Joker kills everything, doesn't it? The Joker is never defeated. This is Jesus's Trump argument. Okay? And what is it? It permeates the entire Sermon on the Mount as he speaks of God, how? He speaks of our Heavenly Father. Because Jesus is not saying you're just creatures and the Creator will care for you. He's saying so much more than that. He's saying not only are you created in His image, you are His family. He is your Father. Jesus speaks to our worry by pointing to the creator of the universe, the sovereign Lord, and speaks of him as our heavenly father. He's telling us that when we worry, it's because we've lost sight of this fact. 
We've lost sight of the fact that our Father loves us, that we are his loved and cherished daughter or son. That's what he's saying to us. Our little faith loses sight. It focuses on our circumstances and we lose sight of the foundation of his love and grace and power that is under our feet. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, God is with you in this state. You are not alone. He is your father. Even an earthly father does this in measure. He's with his child, protecting and doing everything he can for him. Listen to this phrase. Multiply that by infinity. No matter how good your earthly father has been, or how terrible, God is infinitely better than the best father. This is what your God is doing with respect to you, whatever your circumstances. God is not just blessing us in the good things. God is not just in control when the sun is shining. God is with us. God is our Father. He is sovereignly in control. His love covers us, whatever our circumstances. And we know this. We know this more than they knew this. Those first hearers of Jesus' message, we know this better. Why? Because we know what it cost our Heavenly Father that we might be his children. We know that our brother went to the cross. We know that the legitimate son was cast out, that the heir of all things gave up everything for us so that we might be welcomed, we might be loved, we might be embraced, we might speak of his father as our father. We know that. And so when we say the words, our heavenly father, behind that is the guarantee of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. If you doubt that God loves you, if you doubt that his power is sufficient for you, go again to the message of the gospel. See that it's not just for getting into heaven. The gospel covers every second of our life. The faith that we have in Christ is not just about eternity. It's about the here and the now. Paul in Romans 8 angers this down for us. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If we think God got that thing covered, you know, the whole issue of our rebellion, our rejection of him, and the judgment that was rightly ours, if God dealt with that huge issue, no matter what's happening in our lives, do we actually think that God can't have this handled? That God somehow lost control? That God somehow doesn't care? Jesus is saying, trust your heavenly Father. Our issue, our issue is not that we don't have faith. Our issue is that our faith is too scrawny. <laughs> 
It's too puny. It needs to be exercised. So how do we do that? We need, we need an active faith. We need a faith that actually works out the implications of everything we know for the circumstance right in front of us. We need a faith that engages. Like Jesus says, look at the birds, learn the lesson from what you know about God and what you see in the birds, apply it. Look at the grass, learn the lesson. Think about what you know about God and what you see in the grass and apply it. You move from what God has told us of himself to the created order. You don't go the other way around. But Jesus says, exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. Put it to work. Lloyd-Jones again. Worry is always a failure to grasp and apply our faith. Faith does not work automatically. Sometimes we can be in a situation and think that faith is just a whole bunch of stuff that we believe. It's the theoretical, it's the abstract. We sung it, didn't we? I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ his Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Trinity, three in one, that kind of stuff. It's our statement of faith. But Jesus is saying it's not enough that our faith is that abstract theoretical, those ideas. They need to be on the ground in our lives. Faith does not work automatically. What does it mean? What does it mean that we have this God? What does he mean that he is this powerful, this loving? What does it mean for the worries that I carry? Faith does not work automatically, Lloyd-Jones says. You have to apply it. You've got to talk to yourself about your faith. You've actually got to reason with yourself. You've got to work through rationally. This is what I know about God. This is how I see my situation. How does this impact this? The child of God talks to himself, reasons with himself, shakes himself, reminds himself of himself. I'm a child of God. And of his faith. And immediately his faith begins to grow. We need to engage our circumstance from the perspective of what we know about God. Especially his love for us as our heavenly father. We need to know his word. We need to apply his word. We need to pray. We need to ask that God would increase our faith. You know that story about the, the guy that got the son and the disciples can't heal him? And uh, Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. Do you remember the... I, I love it. He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. That's our prayer. And how does Jesus do it? He takes us into his word, but it's his spirit that he promises in Luke eleven thirteen to give us in abundance. How much more will the Father give his Holy Spirit to those who ask? It is that God who gives his word, who gives his spirit that we go to and say, I believe, help my unbelief. We need to exercise our faith. We also need a deliberate focus. Jesus tells us not to focus on the earthly treasures, not to worry about the things of this world, but to seek first his kingdom, his rule over all things, and his righteousness, the life that lives in line with that rule. And all the other stuff, the little stuff, 
they'll be given to us as well. Jesus says, if you're going to be worried about something, worry about building your relationship with him. And not in an anxious way, but in a concerned, concerted, focused way. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. How do we see that? Reflecting on my ancient history and my year 12s, I'm going to pick on you guys because it's happening in my life as well. The danger is that we put God on hold. That we actually say, I'm really, really busy now. I've got all this work. I need to just focus on that. God, I'll get to you later on. I know your love. I know your grace. Just put you on hold. I I had someone once, they were starting up a small business. And they said to me, you're not going to see me around very much. Uh, I have to put all my efforts into here. But eventually, when things are going well, I'll be back. Where is their faith? Student, if you put everything on hold so you can focus on your study, if you put God to one side and you're not regular in his word and you're not praying to him, you put Christian service along, just to the side, you put meeting together, something that Jesus calls us to do, just off to the edge. I'll get back to church. I'll get back to growth group. I'll get back to basement. Well, effectively, what that is saying is your trust is ultimately in the marks that you get. You don't trust that God can use use whatever mark you get. Jesus says, trust him. Trust him. Now, I've done more study than most here. I know that when I have trusted God and I've honoured him, I've put down the books, I've walked away, and I've put him first, he has honoured that. The little things that I was worried about, Well, God sorted that, and my heart was with him. I knew rest. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble. We need to focus on him. We need to keep first things first. And as we do that, his promise is that he will grant us rest. Not rest, kick back, take life easy, couldn't care less, rest. But rest that has him at the centre and knows that he is in control. Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul speaks, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What's the answer to worry? Come to the one who can actually do something about it. Come to the one who's got it covered. Come to the one who knows the end from before the beginning. And ask him. And leave it with him. And come to him knowing that he actually knows what's best for you in a way that you don't even know yourself. And leave it with him in prayer. And the gift of that, when we do that, see Paul's promise in verse 7, the peace of God transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Can I say, this is not just a magic pill, say a prayer, everything will be okay. For those of us who've had real issues that have really weighed on us, we know we need to come back again and again and again. But the promise is, 
that he will grow our faith and that we will actually find it easier to not worry. We will find in his grace as our heavenly father, in his power that is granted to us through the gift of the spirit, in the promises that he has made, we will find a firm foundation that is ours in Christ. We believe, help our unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this beautiful word, this word that admonishes us for turning away from the sure foundation that you have given us. You tell us that we are your children, that you are our Father, that you love us above all things that your power is at work for us and in us. Lord, grow our faith. Release us from the shackles of worry. Help us. Help us to trust you, not just for eternity and salvation, but in the little things as well. Help us seek your kingdom and your righteousness and help us to let go of the little things that we can't control anyway, but you can. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to spend some time now in prayer, but it's probably good just to spend a little bit of time personally reflecting, and then uh, we're going to...